Craving more Splat Attack? Head on over to Patreon where you can catch exclusive bonus episodes like Favorite 90s Romantic Moments. Here's a clip from our latest episode. Tori's like all heartbroken. And finally he gets over her and he's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to go to Pittsburgh. And he opens the door and she's standing there like soaking in the rain. Corey, I ran away from my home to like follow you. And I was like, oh my gosh. Mr. Feeney came in there with some wise wisdom. There was a time in my life when I cared for someone, my wife was taken from me. I believe that when you find love, you hold on to it. And that, my dears, is the most important thing. So when Tim walks away, all the ladies are, Jill, your husband is so funny and so charming. She's wanting to cash in on some of that charm and it's all gone. He's gross. He's passing gas. He, oh, there it goes. And then starts fanning the covers. Wow, this really is a life of us. Yes. Welcome to Mary. I thought this was home improvement, not married with children. I'm going to avoid it flush any moment. <laughs> You'll also get gag reels, behind-the-scenes footage, and more. You can pledge for as little as $2 to get your name mentioned in the episode or even in the credits. No matter what tier you choose, we are grateful that you choose to help us preserve the slime-filled past in our 90s Nickelodeon community. Splat you later! Isn't it funny? You hear a phone ring, and it could be anybody. But a ringing phone has to be answered, doesn't it? Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oh, joy! Let's rock! It makes me wanna fight! Dear Journal, it's me, Doug. Do you have it? Baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. On your mark, get set. Oh, here it goes! Welcome to Splat Attack, where we're taking it back to the Slimefield past. I'm your Gactastic co-host, Brett. I am your Slimetastic host, Alex, and Brett, have you got your boxing gloves on? You bet I do. Actually, they're in the other room. I, uh, uh, they're in my gym, but I don't need them. I don't need them. I'm going to fight bare knuckle tonight because I'm ready to go with RJ for this very special episode. Uh, we, are, we are doing Are You Afraid of the Dark versus Goosebumps for the first time. And um, in the spirit of that, we put together two episodes that had a similar theme, uh, one from each. So we're going to be doing the tale of the phone police tonight with Calling All Creeps. What do you guys think about it's, that? It's not a common, well, it is a very common argument, especially all over social media of yeah. which one is better? Are you afraid of the darker goosebumps? And okay, this has been done a hundred times. It's it's time to start narrowing it down. So we're doing episode exactly. specific. Well, and really both of them had various forms of media, right? They had they both had books and TV shows. So you can't really, you know, look at them across the board in terms of which one was better. You kind of have to compare episodes or books right. you know one at a time like we're doing tonight and i think brett should get his boxing gloves because i'm gonna pull him <laughs> from that beard all the way down to the phone police headquarters oh my <laughs> them's fighting words yeah. you know it's on like donkey kong <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown i challenge you to a duel <laughs> i accept we have to introduce our guest because 
listeners don't know who you are, RJ. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your relation to the podcast and how you know me and all that jazz. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. I'm a longtime fan of both of your work. Uh, my whole apartment is filled with Brett Wilson art practically on every wall. And I've been a longtime listener of the podcast. I grew up watching Nickelodeon. I'm a huge 90s nostalgia fan. I actually work in the entertainment industry, which has allowed me to work with Harvey Rawls from Pete and Pete, uh, tangentially with Elizabeth Hess from, um, I was going to say Clueless, but Clarissa explains <laughs> it all, and Mark Summers. So I'm just an advocate for everything that you guys are doing, and I'm thrilled to be here. Brett and I have had this little rivalry because I love the phone police. It's not one of his favorites. And so we just go back and forth. And I'm really glad tonight that I can finally just um, prove him wrong. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did not like this episode growing up because I felt it was like trying to do um, that movie, The Net, with like identity theft, but it didn't quite hit home with me. And as a kid, I was really just kind of shallow. I was more into the monsters of the week and the ghost tales than like something a little more cerebral like this one. So, you know, my, I, I've eased up a little bit on my criticism towards phone police, uh, both since as a child and since I wrote scary tales. Uh, but it's still, uh, it still has some catching up to do in terms of getting into my upper echelon of tales. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how you can uh, defend the tale tonight. Yeah, and I've got some theories that are going to kind of tie up some plot holes and loose ends in this episode as well. I think I've got some stuff tonight that's going to really rock Brett's world. So I hope you're ready. And to officiate between the two, I will be the impartial judge because I do enjoy both series very much. Obviously, because we, we deal a lot with Nickelodeon, we've talked a lot more about Are You Afraid of the Dark? But Goosebumps is still an absolute staple of 90s kids programming. And Goosebumps was the one that I watched the most when I was growing up because Are You Afraid of the Dark terrified me. Goosebumps <laughs> felt safer. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I stuck with it until I became an adult and, and revisited Are You Afraid of the Dark. So I'm very much the impartial judge to both. So I will absolutely hear both sides. And, and Goosebumps cool. was on network television, whereas Are You Afraid of the Dark was on cable. Mm -hmm. And growing up, not everybody that I knew had cable. In fact, it was probably about 50-50. Mm -hmm. So in terms of access, uh, kids definitely had more access to the Goosebumps series. Yes. Yeah, I was fortunate to have both. So I actually had equal exposure to both Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps. But I just, I just liked Are You Afraid of the Dark's edginess a little bit better. I've revisited many Goosebumps episodes uh, since then for nostalgia's sake. And some of them don't really hit as much as you remember them hitting, even if the topic is seemingly scary. So, um, you know, yeah, the consistency it is, it is isn't, is. isn't quite as good. And, and I'm if you probably just looked at the pure numbers, I think Are You Afraid of the Dark had to have had a bigger budget. Um, yeah. At least it looks like they did. You know what I mean? The right. production values are, are higher. And that's why, you know, I'm going to talk about how the film police is the best. And that's going to be dreaming. Brett's going to be biting his pillow all night. <laughs> I'm going to hang you up like a prank caller. <laughs> <laughs> hang up on me like a prank caller, yeah. Click. Oh, 
click <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen as stated before rj is going to be defending the phone police from are you afraid of the dark and brett is going to be defending calling all creeps from goosebumps the categories that we're going to run through is main character the supporting characters the villains the story scariness because they both deal with the phone the use of the phone theme and does the episode still hold up so without further ado, let's get ready to versus! So um, for those who don't know, uh, we just want to let you know like a quick rundown of basic info of each of these tales so you can keep track of like the timeline of things. Uh, the Tale of the Phone Police is a Season 3, Episode 4 entry of Are You Afraid of the Dark and first aired on January 29th, 1994. Uh, it was directed by Jean-Marie Comio and written by David Preston. And Calling All Creeps is a Season 2, Episode 9 entry of Goosebumps and first aired on February 15th, 1997. It was directed by Craig Price and adapted from Arl Stein's book by Billy Brown and Dan Angel. Let's dive into it, and we are going to start with our first category, main character, and this is for one point, and we are going to start with Are You Afraid of the Dark? So, RJ, tell us about the main character. So the main character of this episode is Jake O'Brien, and he's a curious, adventurous kid who loves to make prank phone calls, and his best friend Chris typically does a lot of his bidding. It always seems like you know jake is throwing chris out and it's like you do it first and then i'll see if it's safe you know and at the top of the episode jake and chris are making lame prank phone calls they're like is your refrigerator running well then you better go after it you know kind of pathetic honestly and jake's older sister annie crashes their prank call party and warns them of the horrible consequences their calls could result in when they are found out by the phone police. And she tells them a story about another local boy named Billy Baxter, who also enjoyed making prank phone calls. However, Billy was arrested by the phone police for his mischievous prank calls and is currently serving a life sentence in one of the phone police's jail cells. Jake and Chris rolled their eyes at Annie's seemingly outlandish tale. However, after Chris heads home for the night, Jake retrieves his family's hefty phone book. I thought that was a great kind of throwback, you know, that Literally phone throw, book throw that we all had. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was like, you know, weighed as much as a brick. Um, and he looks up the name Billy Baxter in the phone book and sure enough he finds a strange six digit number listed for someone named Billy Baxter and he dials the number and he's like this isn't going to work it's only six numbers and sure enough someone answers the phone and the voice is eerily moaning and crying for help help me you gotta help me and it's a it's a fuzzy connection too, which is something also we don't really encounter today. But it was very often back in the day when you're making a phone call that the connection could kind of sound like you know fuzzy a little bit. And Jake quickly hangs up, but Billy keeps calling him back on Jake's landline even after Jake has disconnected his phone from the wall. The phone keeps ringing which is really interesting. And this is something I want to talk about tonight is that this episode, you know, Brett's always like, well, it doesn't have monsters and it's not about the paranormal. 
Well, actually, I think it is quite a bit about the paranormal. And there's some clues that um, I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, Jake is a really courageous kid, even given the terrifying circumstances that he encounters in this episode. And I really relate to him as a kid because I loved making prank phone calls and going on adventures. And this was back when everyone had a landline and it was customary to answer the phone whenever it rang. In 2022, most people avoid having to answer the phone, even if it's their best friend, if it's their boss, if it's their family member calling, they typically um, send it to voicemail. We hate having to talk on the phone and much exclusively prefer text messaging instead. Um, however, Jake is infatuated by the phone and its endless possibilities for connection. I have one question. What? Is Billy Baxter trying to call you right now? Is that why I keep hearing <laughs> I thought it was one of you. I apologize. I nope. thought that um, everything was disconnected, but it's not. Oh, the tale's coming to life when you talk about it. Ooh. You gotta Billy help Baxter. me. It's Billy Baxter. Me. You gotta help me. Ah! Maybe, maybe he's just trying to call every person in the Tri-County area until he finds someone who connects with him. Well, listen, Brett has dissed the phone police so much, and I keep saying the phone police are going to come for you. Oh, not. They can't keep find me. <laughs> that and the hungry hounds are coming for you. No, no. I can defend myself. I can run pretty fast. I've, I'm taking boxing lessons. I can, I can punch out people's lights if I need to. Um, well, the ghost dogs aren't that threatening. They're, have you seen them in the, in the episode? They're like docile little beagles. Like Yes, they're so happy. There, yeah. There's nothing threatening about those dogs at all. So all right. that is my feeling on the main character, Jake O'Brien. All right. And switching over to Goosebumps with Brett. Well, Goosebumps, we have a kind of a nerdy kid. He kind of looks like um, that kid from Step by Step with the glasses who is also in Beethoven movies. Yeah, they made him look really nerdy in this. Yeah, yeah. Glasses and the beige jacket like really helps. Hey, <laughs> I have better fashion than that. <laughs> uh, so the main character is Ricky Beamer. Uh, he's a nerdy kid who wants to get back at the head of the school newspaper editor, Tasha McLean, uh, for firing him. So he sneaks into the editor room at school during the night to insert a message into the paper to get back at her. Unfortunately, Ricky isn't too cunning, and he's actually kind of a weenie. So when Tasha switches the name in the message that he put in the paper, Due to her catching on to his mischief, the plan backfires, or so he thinks. Uh, Ricky doesn't really have too much character development throughout the story, but he does make for, up for it in the end. Uh, he's constantly harassed and bullied at school by literally everyone, the newspaper editor, all of his... The whole school. Pretty much, yeah. Once he realizes uh, the true power that he has in his hands, though, uh, when the tides turn, his uh, cruel classmates uh kind of get some karma turned back onto them uh when he ends up turning to the dark side for the sake of ruling his tormentors and everyone in the school becomes a creep um in terms of character development really it's just him kind of being pushed to the brink of you know i can't take this anymore i you know i have a good reason to get back at all these people for calling me names and bullying me and taunting me so i think that in the end that kind of fueled his revenge in terms of uh, getting his, uh, getting his, uh, what's the word? Not retribution. That's like punishment, but like it's, it's gratifying to him to, to have the, the tables turned. Yeah. He really embraces, um, being sort of the newfound power player in this situation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's always like, 
being picked on by everyone. He has these three uh, bullies that always pick on him at his locker. So it's like he can't catch a break. Like if his parents didn't move to another uh, town, then, you know, there's no way out of, you know, dealing this day after day after day. Right. I mean, it was really relatable, you know, I mean, it was, I, I, I dealt with a little bit of bullying in elementary school and I could feel for him in those moments, just like enduring the taunting for no reason. And you're trying to fit in and you're trying to conform and you're just trying to do all the right things to, you know, make people happy around you. But for some reason they just gravitate towards you, like flies to manure and just find reasons to pick on you. And after a certain point, you, you have to fight back or you have to find a way to get even or some sort of like, um, comeuppance so they really do lean into the like nerdy template with him to the point (laughs) that i was like you know a kid would like beg his parents not to dress him like that you know on any given day yeah yeah i definitely wouldn't wear that even if i was as nerdy as him so with that in mind do either of you have anything that you want to rebuttal with or or counter with yeah, I mean, um, I think <laughs> I think Jake O'Brien didn't do that great of a job pranking, um, you know, people that he was going out for. He should have been more creative with his calls. Um, I, I, I don't really understand the phone police justifying, like, throwing him in jail for life for a few prank calls. I feel like if he had a wider reach and we saw the impact of his uh, verbal destruction, if you will, through the phone, um, then it would justify it. But um, I don't know. I didn't. I couldn't really relate to the character. Um, well, um, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean I'm gonna get into why he got in so much trouble with the phone police because I think that there's some specific details that people might miss, and partially. It's because he went to them and specifically revealed that he had called Billy Baxter. And so to me, part of the law of the phone police is, is if you call Billy Baxter and they find out, then you have to trade places with Billy Baxter. Mm. So I'm going to get into that um, in a little bit. Um, but but similarly with the creeps, if you call a creep, you have to become a creep. So there's... It, it has the potential for getting more people to convert to creeps than there is capturing um, innocent kids in phone police jail. Let's move on to the next supporting characters. And once again, we'll start with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Listen up, Brett. It is my belief that Jake's sister, Annie, is the axis from which this entire story revolves around. In fact, I believe that Annie is controlling all of the events of this episode, utilizing some kind of cosmic or mystic power. Mic drop. (laughs) Annie is one angry chick, and she knows how to use her sharp tongue in order to intimidate others. That's obvious. However, her word choices, this is the first clue. Her word choices and the language that she uses often feel dated, not just 90s dated, but almost as if she talks like a mobster from an old Hollywood film. There are several clues in this episode that Annie's personality is somehow reflected in the visual representation of the phone police. When Jake and Chris break into the phone police's headquarters, the lobby's receptionist is dressed and styled like she is from another era, and I don't mean the 1990s. The phone police's secretary actually looks quite quite a bit like uh, the famous actress Christine Baranski, but uh, she's sort of, you know, the, the whole look 
the makeup, the hair, what she's wearing. It's very much of that sort of stereotypical mobster era. And actually the, the example, the template that I want you to sort of both imagine is, you know, from Home Alone 2 when he's watching that fake black and white movie, which is fake. I didn't realize that it's actually not a real movie, but you know, the Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. I think that that is sort of the style that this episode is channeling and it's channeling that through Annie's cosmic power. Okay. The warden also talks like he's out of an old black and white mobster movie. Um, And when Chris, as we, I'll know when Chris returns to Jake's house to inform Annie of Jake's arrest, excuse me, when Chris returns to Jake's house to inform Annie of Jake's arrest, it's like Chris has entered an alternate universe where Jake never existed. Annie says she doesn't have a brother. Jake's bedroom is now a drawing room. And Annie says that the version of the phone police story that she heard is about a kid named Jake O'Brien, not a kid named Billy Baxter. And she's like, O'Brien, Jake O'Brien. Again, like she's, in the mafia or something um and after chris frees jake from the phone police they return back to jake's house while being pursued by the phone police and suddenly everything has returned back to normal annie remembers jake and chris jake's room has reappeared and annie admits that she made up the story about billy baxter and the phone police but then who or what was it that jake and chris experienced The episode ends with a pizza delivery man dressed like a rat, which is another interesting symbol, removing a sign on the side of his car and reveals the symbol for the phone police. What is real and what is imaginary in this episode? My belief is that Annie is a witch. She's able to psychically control Chris and Jake's reality in order to teach them a lesson to not make prank phone calls. And her powers are possibly connected to the pitcher of green liquid that she removes from the refrigerator, pours into a glass, and then subsequently dumps in the sink without ever taking a sip. You mean the Heisey Ecto Cooler? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure DJ McHale mentioned that was like um, drain fluid or something. I, I forgot because someone did ask him during a podcast interview somewhere where he's like, do, do you happen Oh, oh, I think it was um, Cortland from Private Island Presents Up All Night. He said, like, do you know what the the drink is and why she didn't drink it? And he's like, I have no idea. It's probably her creative decision. Um, Well, if it was drain cleaner, I'm glad she didn't drink it. Yeah, why would she pour it into a pitcher in the first place? Why would she want to poison his brother? I mean, that's kind of harsh for, like, doing a couple prank phone calls that are not even on the caliber of Comedy Central's Crank Yankers. I mean, they've got some pretty elaborate ones, or even on the Howard Stern Show in the 90s for radio. The Crank Yankers ones are amazing. But I think that the green liquid is just one of her magic potions. Yeah, I don't buy that. Maybe if the, this was monster blood, I can I can stretch that. But I think it's I think it's a little more realistic um, with the tone of this story. It's more got like an X Files kind of sense to it. So it's like I I view she's I, I like the Scarlet Witch. She can control time and space. No, you're you know, giving her way too much credit. She's just lesson. no Annie is badass. She uh-huh. is. Ears. I think it's the phone police is doing. I don't think it's Annie's in, in my opinion. It's just a coincidence that um, Do the phone police have paranormal abilities? No, it's it's like they're a CIA and they're doing a cover up because they know Jake O'Brien's serious business and he's a threat to be dealt with so that 
you know, maybe they wiped her brain with like a men in black memory eraser style thing to <laughs> forget that she even had the same last name as Jake. Like that's, that's a hole in that argument there because I think it's uh, all I mean, like- granted that O'Brien is a somewhat common last name, but still I feel like it doesn't hold water for me. I feel like this is more of an instance where the, the phone police act as like a, a CIA secret police kind of cover up you know, syndicate where when they take away children, they erase their lives so that no one knows that they ever existed. That way no one can go looking after them. And with their siblings and parents' minds erased, there's no way for them to like remember or like, get some clues to where they could be. So, All right, all right. Brett, it's all, all yours. Right. Take all it right. away for Goosebumps. Yes. Um, so as you know, there's there's a lot of supporting characters in Calling All Creeps. In addition to uh, Ricky being the focus of the story, we also have the three bullies that pick on him. Um, there's also the student by there's Tasha, the new school editor. And there's actually another girl uh, by the name of Iris, uh, who actually was played by Hamil Rusia, who is also seen uh, as Julie in the tale of the Lunar Locust in season seven of Are You Afraid of the Dark a couple years later. Um, but she's actually one of the, the more positive supporting characters. And if not like the main supporting character to Ricky, because he helps keep his, uh, I don't know, good, bad meter, (laughs) good, evil meter, like on keel towards good, because he's got all this, all this rage and temptation building up inside of him to just like get back at everyone for treating him like crap, including, um, stamping him with like the name Ricky, the rat, which apparently everyone knows. Ricky, the rat. Ricky the rat. Wait, listen to me. You don't understand. Usually I would assume that whoever gave him the nickname and maybe a couple people would know that, but like literally every single student in this episode knows that. So it's just like unjustly cruel there. But anyways, getting back to Iris, um, she's the new girl in town. So she doesn't really have context for what's going on with Ricky, but she, she does recognize, you know, someone who's innocent, helpless and needs help. And from the get-go, we see, you know, a very kind, compassionate smile. She's interested in learning more about him. And when, you know, things start to get a little bit dicey with the creeps and meeting them in the woods for, like, a, a mission, uh, she she ends up portraying or, like, disguising herself in the persona of a creep sergeant, second-in-command, actually, uh, to Ricky, so that the she keeps the creeps at bay from devouring him, from being, you know, not standing up to his assumed leadership role. I, I don't, there's not really much more to add to her in terms of her personality. She's very kind, affectionate, understanding. Um, she's always there by Ricky's side, kind of like as an angel on his shoulder to remind him, hey, you know, things are looking pretty bad, but I'm sure it'll turn around. You just have to like stay true to yourself. And I feel like that's, that's one of the bigger overarching themes in this episode is being true to yourself versus giving into peer pressure. And she helps kind of act as his moral compass there in that sense. Um, so I, I feel like if she wasn't there to, you know, ground him during all this chaos and and uh, stress that's affecting him, then he would have gone off the deep end a lot sooner. Yeah, I think that's she's a good actress, too. I think she's probably the best actor in this episode. Mm-hmm. I think you can't compare i just think the acting in are you afraid of the dark across the board is a lot stronger than in goosebumps yeah it's it has a different style in a sense it's it's more serious in are you afraid of the dark tends to be a little more campy in goosebumps but you kind of know that going in with each of them that you know they're they're kind of like siblings in terms of 90s horror anthology but they have their own quirks about each of them 
The villains, though, are the bullies in Calling All Creeps. Oh, they are abysmal, in my opinion. Yeah, one of them is actually also an Are You For The Dark alumni. Um, I forgot his name off the top of my head, uh, but he was one of the kids who drove the the orange uh, muscle car in the tale of Highway 13. He he was not Jacob Plenner, but the other kid who went to the junkyard to like get the car. Um, but yeah, I think I think that she's a good character you know yeah I, I think she's appropriately named too because in addition to the name iris being like the name of a flower it's also like you know the the colorful part inside of your eye and maybe she's you know named that symbolically to see you know to designate that she's the only one who can see the real ricky not the one who's like get away from me i hate everyone uh, what do i do you know yeah i mean carl ricky. stein is a genius and so that wouldn't surprise me at all if he didn't have that in I, I, I mean, if you listen to Papa Arena's uh, Goosebumps book reviews, he would uh, disagree with you. But I, <laughs> I think he he's really good at marketing his product. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's switch to possibly one of the biggest arguments that I can see coming up already is the <laughs> villains. The most so, fun too. <laughs> yes. So let's start with RJ for Are You Afraid of the Dark? All right. So as I said before, to me. Annie's the uber villain here, okay? But then we've got sort of her minions, one of which is the warden, and he's a little cartoonish. Again, feels like he's right out of an old black and white mafia flick. Um, but it's an effective performance. The characters, the villains in this episode, talk like they're from a different era. They, Their mannerisms, their physicality, and their vocal choices are like they're from not the 90s, but much older than that. Okay, and so they kind of have that fast talking radio sound when that first came on the scene in terms of like a new way to communicate and entertain people. So like I'm, late 1920s. Yes, exactly. Thank you. So if that was intentional, which I'm sure it was, <laughs> then I think the warden, you know, embraces that really well. Let's see. Like I said, all the personnel that are represented in this episode, besides Jake and Chris, are just extensions of Annie's witchcraft and her illusions. Therefore, they all reflect her personality in some way. Now, let's remember this episode. This is why this episode to me is so important. It aired two whole years before Wes Craven's Scream, which came out at the end of 1996, which at its core... One of its major themes is the relationship between landline phones and the unknown. Yeah. Um, and in terms of creepiness, Billy Baxter's voice holds up pretty well against Roger Jackson's ghost face. Hello. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Um, and I think the the voiceover artist who portrayed Billy Baxter did an amazing job of conveying the voice of a young man who has been imprisoned by the phone police for many years as, and has gone truly mad because of it. You know, the desperation, um, the agony. Um, but then, you know, later in the episode, we sort of figure out that Billy is a little bit of a trickster um, in his own right. So to me, Billy is the most effective villain in this. You know, that was always the part of the episode that really gave me the creeps was Billy's voice and his personality. We have to give props to DJ for 
utilizing a story structure that Wes Craven himself didn't um, present for another two years. Or Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, um, didn't come up with. And it wouldn't surprise me if they saw this episode somewhere along the way, because to me, there's a lot of similarities. Brett, do you have any rebuttals? Oh, I was waiting to rip RJ a new one. I had so many things <laughs> popping into my head. <laughs> um, well, first off, I disagree. <laughs> uh, I don't feel like the phone police are that threatening. They never like really perturbed me in the way that X-Files um, government agents uh, used to scare me as kids. And I make a lot of connections to that because of the serious metropolitan kind of feel to those segments of the episodes. Um, you know, I, I don't... I don't buy Annie's uh, a villain at all. She's just, she's a light antagonist. She likes to, you know, rag on Jake for, you know, being a little jerk and making all these prank phone calls, which you would, but, you know, again, these are misdemeanors. I don't think they justify the severe punishment that it seems to be blown out of proportion to be. It's just more, it's meant to be more of a slap on the wrist. And that's what Annie did with her story to scare her. Very similar to how the older brother in the tale of the Crimson Clown meant to scare his younger uh, brother, Sam. Um, and then it happened to come true. Like, I feel like the circumstances here are w far more coincidental and less um, circumstantial and intentional. So, you know, that doesn't really fly in my book for Foam Fleece. And also, you know, aside from the warden, which I think he's the most charismatic character in the episode, actually. I like the way he looks. I like his rune jacket. And I feel like a lot of listeners who grew up watching Foam Fleece who have problems with the story and the plot have similar things. You know, no, they're going to go, whoa, light no, bulb. It, no, it's, I mean, even though we know we're getting into Are You Afraid of the Dark as like, paranormal kind of things, strange things like that. I think it's more on the side of the phone police itself being this weird, mysterious, you know, do they exist? Do they not exist kind of company that has ulterior motives? I, I want to I go back to one of the points you said earlier about your connection to Scream um, mm -hmm. with this, which I think is possible, but how do you know that's not just like a coincidence also, or even a rumor similar to how Dreamgirls connected to the Sixth Sense despite not having that um, you know, actually confirmed by the creators. Like, do you know if Wes Craven saw Phone Police at all or mentioned that anywhere in any uh, articles he's done or interviews? No, I've never read that. And, I, and if it was anyone, it would be Kevin Williamson who wrote Scream. Mm -hmm. I think it's only speculation for now. It's, I mean, sometimes things happen in life where, yeah, it's kind of weird when you see something that also looks like something else, but many times it just happens that people have the same ideas and they don't, they don't have a connection to the source material as closely as we well, think. Well, let's be honest. The, this story goes back, you know, decades with the, you know, the babysitter getting prank, getting that creepy phone call. And then she calls the police and they track the phone call. Yeah. They... I mean, we can trace the, that all the way back to um, John Carpenter's Halloween in the 70s. So I, I can understand that trope being effective use in horror. But in terms yeah, it's of... It's a great homage, at least. In terms of tying in with the phone police here, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it really works in a supernatural sense. It's just more like kind of a creepy, keeping it a secret X-File kind of sense, like secret police. And even so, I think they just, I don't think Billy Baxter is necessarily a villain tied directly to the phone police. I think he's just someone who wants to, you know, get out for himself. You know, someone who got tangled up in this mess, couldn't find a way out, found a, 
a vulnerable sucker to um, take his place. And then he's just out of there, you know, however way possible. Um, so getting onto the villains of calling all creeps, of course, you know, you have the creeps. Uh, as I mentioned before, there's the three bullies that pick on Billy. Their names are actually David, Brenda, and Wart. Wart's the big guy with bad breath. They, they make a point. Well, that was so disgusting. That. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> when it comes to bullies, bad breath's pretty, uh, pretty. That was a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that aside, um, you know, they, they're pretty much got a uh, one tracked uh, mind mission going on here, which is convert, convert humans to reptile aliens or whatever creeps actually are. Uh, it's really funny when I think about it, because as I was going through my research for this episode, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have used the tale of the hatching to compare it to this because it has similar themes that begin to pop up here in terms of getting you know, large bodies of uh, kids turning into like a reptilian type species who want to just take over the world, uh, especially because they both take place in school. But because of the sake of the, the phone theme, I wanted to do this as uh, more tied in true comparison. Um, they, they are fairly intimidating. I don't think David and Brenda do much other than just say some petty, uh, petty insults at Ricky, like, I can't think of any on top of my head. They're not that memorable, but Wart definitely breathing on him or, you know, the, the imposing threat of hitting him, you know, does seem uh, like a stronger argument to get Ricky to do what they want. Uh, however, I mean, the breath is that's bad. That's as low as you can go. You know, yeah. I mean, they're bullies. They don't have much in their arsenal in terms of manipulating the main character other than brute force or uh, fear tactics. So, uh, you know, aside from them interacting with him in school, they get him out into the woods to their secret meeting place where they reveal their true form as the creeps, which are these uh, orange scaly characters with big, long, gnarly uh, fingers. And they have like webbed dragon fins like sticking out of their heads, um, which to me is a little bit disappointing because I really like Tim Jacobus's version of the creeps on the number 50 Goosebumps book cover, which they're more like purple and just wearing human clothes and being all nonchalant around a phone booth, which is pretty fun. An amazing uh, cover. Yeah. Yeah. I love his art, but you know, even, even if that doesn't translate perfectly into the TV episode, I still think that they're rather intimidating looking and they are effective at uh, convincing Ricky to implement the identity seeds, which are these, these little like black sesame seed type things that apparently, you know, when they're mixed in with food, uh, they convert the, the person who eats it into a creep, like in mere moments. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty effective tactic, if not sneaky, uh, way to, you know, accomplish their mission. And they don't really have to use any type of violence or brutality to do it. They just do it on, you know, under the radar, uh, unsuspectingly to the student body because they don't, they don't check that stuff. I mean, uh, when they first try, when they first try implementing the seeds into the tuna surprise, obviously that doesn't work because Ricky's claims that no one eats that for some reason, it's like disgusting and no one will go near it. I love um, tuna. I love tuna too, but that tuna that she made, that cafeteria lady made, ugh, it's kind of mushy, way too much mayonnaise and uh, water. Yeah. Yeah, I know how to make tuna sandwiches. That was that was not by my standards. <laughs> they really, they really hurt her feelings, though. Yeah, I felt bad for her. <laughs> she should have turned to a creep and get got even with uh, the kids. That would have been satisfying. But she like, said she's like it's nutritious. Like, no, it's not. It's like all mayonnaise. Like, 
Yeah, mayonnaise. You, you might as well just call it mayonnaise and fish instead of tuna surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Emphasis on the mayonnaise. It might taste good, but it's not nutritious. <laughs> but but anyways, getting back to the point of the matter, um, when that didn't work out, they devised another plan to put it into cookies and sell them at a bake sale because everyone loves chocolate chip cookies. You know that works excellently. Like they didn't even have to do any extra work. Everyone's just like free cookies, and they come over there and they're about to stuff their face before Iris butts in trying to convince Ricky to, you know, tell everyone to stop from uh, turning themselves over to the, the secretive uh, alien reptile race. So um, they're not, they're not very complex villains, but there's three of them and they know how to multiply their species fairly effectively. Yeah. And, and I just have to say again, that that cover, I think it's one of the best goosebumps covers in I the whole it. original series. Um, yeah, that was one of the big draws for me, and I'm sure countless other Goosebumps fans was the artwork itself. Like, admittedly, I didn't read all the stories when I collected every single Goosebumps book growing up. Oops, but I did love the art, and it did inspire me to do a lot of art based off of horror as a result. So, uh, its influence cannot be understated if you're not into writing. Um, yeah, I was so saying before we started recording that I keep my Scary Tales book by Brett Wilson and my Goosebumps art hardcover that came out only yeah. a couple months ago i keep them together so they belong together it's a match made in heaven and i have to get myself a copy of that goosebumps one too before they sell out yeah they're kind of um bookends in a way you know because yeah. i consider them both um really important to um what we're talking about definitely so that's what i have on the villains all right um and well, let's go right into story, starting with RJ. All right. I love the story. I've always loved the story. And there's something about an unknown government agency that can arrest you at any time, particularly if you literally go to their headquarters and admit to your transgressions. I think that's the, the biggest key element of this episode. Um, but it's also I, the biggest flaw because Jake shouldn't have gone into the lines then because of his curiosity. Well, but that's just the kind of kid that he is. He's curious. Billy's haunting voice still gives me the goosebumps. And I love and will always love an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode with a cliffhanger ending. Um, and you could we could do a whole episode just talking about all of those really creepy cl cliffhangers. There's a lot. Um, of <laughs> they always gave me chills big time. And at the end of the episode, we find out that the phone police are still out there keeping a close eye on Jake and Chris and Brett. And we hear Billy's maniacal laughter over the telephone. The phone police definitely aren't done with Chris and Jake. And I wish we'd gotten a proper sequel to the phone police at some point. And perhaps in that sequel is when Annie would reveal her powers that she can control time and space in order to bring her urban legends to life. No, you're giving her too much credit. She's not supernatural at all. She's just an older sister who is pissed off by her younger brother and wants to use the phone for other things, like call boyfriends, as you do as a high school girl. <laughs> Brett, story for Goosebumps. Yes. Um, I mean, we already touched upon it mostly before. It's hard not to because the story is rather simplified for the, for the sake of a half-hour kids television show. Uh, essentially, you know, I'm just going to run down the plot real quick. Uh, Ricky pulls a prank on the school editor as a way to get back at her for firing him. Uh, he sneaks into the school at night. Um, you know, the, the editor, Tasha, catches a glimpse of the, the ad that he puts in there to, like, 
have creeps call her so that she's like bothered at night. I don't know what he aimed to accomplish by doing that, but uh, you know, if you if you give it a little deeper thought, that's that opens the gateway for like anyone to call her at night, kind of like uh, the creeps calling Ricky at night, um, and that could lead to some dark consequences. Um, use your imagination there. Uh, then uh, you know after that it's the next day. Ricky gets bullied a lot. Iris shows up. Um, then Ricky goes to the woods to a secluded area to tell the creeps what their plan is after he responds the call that he got midnight before the previous day or, or the midnight before the current day that the story takes place. So we got, we got Ricky and the creeps in their little woods hideout. Um, you know, they, they, they actually look up to him for some reason. Like they think that because he put the ad in the paper that there, uh, Ricky is their leader. So they immediately become servient. They back off on the bullying and they ask, you know, oh, master, what do we do to, you know, turn everyone else into creeps? And then they take uh, direction from him. And then, you know, they end up going through a, a very, very, very basic plan um, of like putting the identity seeds into various cafeteria foods um, at school. And then the next day, you know, after we see the tune surprise thing kind of fall flat on its face and Ricky talk with Iris a little bit more about what's happening and trying to get a grip on his menta mentality right here, mental state. Um, they, they go ahead further with the, the project of putting them in the cookies, having the bake sale after everyone eating them. Uh, Tasha, you know, kicking Ricky while he's down with some more name calling. And then once uh, to everyone's horror, everyone becomes a creep in the gymnasium uh ricky's like well if you can't beat him join him and then we see him transform into one and then cut to credits it's just like wow what do you do with that that's like some pretty heavy existential existential dread going on there um you know it's it's an overall cautionary tale of karma biting back almost to the point where you know, you end up losing yourself and your sense of humanity by becoming a creep because it's just symbolism for becoming corrupted by, uh, you know, the powers that be of peer pressure and influencing. If, if we're going to talk about the story, we've obviously got to talk about how scary it is. So let's dive into which one is more scary. Once again, starting with, are you afraid of the dark? So I loved making prank phone calls as a kid. And then... It... In high school, I actually got in a lot of trouble for making a prank phone call. Now, that was years after this episode had aired. Did you go to uh, phone police jail? No, I went to real police headquarters or station, police station. <laughs> um, so the subject matter has always resonated with me. Um, and I still find Billy Baxter to be the scariest part. Um and, you know, again, like it goes back to this landline thing that Jake unplugs the phone and it still keeps ringing, you know, and that's just Annie, you know, it's all Annie. The, the voice actor, you know, gave such a great impression that this is a man who has been screaming for years in a jail cell. No one can hear you. That's what he tells uh, Jake in the episode. There's no use screaming. No one can hear you. Believe me, I've tried. And the only way he can be freed is if somebody calls him. But then he says something strange. He says, stay on the phone. Maybe somebody will hear you someday, which doesn't 
really make sense. Wouldn't even stay on the phone. I, I think it's just more in relation to uh, Jake first picking up the Billy Baxter number and then being, you know, uh, pursued by him. I think if, um, you know, Jake was in phone police jail, he, he essentially becomes the new Billy Baxter. So he has to repeat the cycle of trying to call out into the real world. But he um, can't to someone the, to answer. The, the phone doesn't make outgoing calls. It only makes incoming calls. Which I and, think is a plot hole to the story because you should be able to do that if you're in line with the lore uh, to, to how these prisoners work with the phone police. Like, why is it only just one revolving door of one prank caller? And does it have to be a kid or can it be like anyone any age? No, there's why don't, why don't calls, we see more? We see another kid get arrested. I mean, it's hinted at, but we don't no, see, see any more than that. Told, he goes, it was just a joke. We were just kidding around. Was Billy Baxter calling into him or does he only have one person that he'd like to terrorize? There's no, Billy can't call anyone until he's, until they have called him. So the other kid that we saw briefly called him. Or someone else. And that laugh at the end uh, while the phone is ringing, you know, gives me chills to this day. I will give you that. He is kind of a creepy sounding voice, like skeevy, like wrong side of the tracks kind of creepy. I mean, he obviously was a mischievous kid, hence why he made prank phone calls. But you he know, doesn't but sound like a kid, so he was probably there in prison. He was for there like forever, longer. yeah. All right, well, we're going we're, we're gonna to move on to my point because you said everything that has holds weight. <laughs> 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 so goosebumps to vendor point five scariness um i mean it's pretty scary the fact that not only you got the whole reptile alien kind of creatures um got this whole world domination plan to turn everyone into you know their own species similar to like i hate to say it again but are you afraid of the darks the hatching or um you know any other alien kind of coming down to earth last of its kind uh trope but uh, it has it, it mirrors similar circumstances to the whole phone calling thing too, because when Ricky answers the phone at midnight, he hears like the another creepy voice, just like Billy Baxter, where it's like, uh, "Hello, I'm a creep. I can't talk to you now. I saw your message in the paper. Huh? What? Who is this? I saw your message in the paper. I'm calling as instructed." I'm a creep. <laughs> so uh, I don't, I don't think there's much originality or scariness in it when you hear it multiple hey, you times. You can't compare the the creepiness of the phone calls. I, I think it's I more mean, more of a MacGuffin device or like a catalyst to get the plot moving into yeah. like the main villains instead of like a, a focal point or even a character. It's just it's just a vehicle to move things along. It, that's how I see it. But in terms of the scariness and the atmosphere. Um, calling all creeps has that steady buildup and it also kind of takes you through some twists and turns where you don't know if these guys are going to eat Ricky. And then, you know, when they find out that he was the one who called them, uh, they end up serving him at least for the plan. Um, and you, they're very unpredictable. Like they, I feel like they're threatening in terms of the, their razor sharp teeth, their appearance, their claws, they can eat humans assumes that they want to. The, the yellow and dragon heads do remind me of other scary characters from Goosebumps, uh, such as the sponge from the episode, It Came From Beneath the Sink, which also was very uh, frightening in appearance. So they do have like scariness for kids who are tuning into these shows in the 90s or even kids finding Goosebumps for the first time nowadays. 
Um, where I think where the scariness truly lies, though, is in the fact that they were able to convert so many students so easily into creeps themselves. Like they didn't even have to put up a fight. They didn't have to battle with any of the creeps, even if they had reinforcements come down in UFOs or out of the woodwork. Who knows? Um, all they had to do is just get them to enjoy something that they really like and poof, you know, everyone's now part of their species. And it makes me think a lot of like mind control or cautionary tales like George Orwell's 1984, where, you know, if you, if you end up conform, you, you either have to conform or resist. And you re if you resist, you'll be tracked down eventually so that you conform to what's established as the right way to be. So I think, I think um, the scariness here is less about like the topical kind of scary looking reptiles here and more of the existential horror and how it relates, it could relate to modern society today where, you know, following with whoever's leading the pack isn't necessarily the right thinker or it might not necessarily lead to a right outcome that you didn't see before. And it really challenges your ability to think independently too as a person in this situation. Yeah. Well, since both shows deal very much with the use of the telephone, which show does it better? So let's start with, are you afraid of the dark? I mean, there's no contest on this one. Yeah, right. The phone <laughs> symbol, I'm just talking about the symbol of a phone is used constantly in this episode in an extremely effective manner. And many times it's actually the same literal symbol of a phone. It's on the uh, phone book. It's on the phone booth. It's in the lobby in a sculpture form. And by the way, I mean, this is what drove me crazy watching these shows as a kid. And it's not just, are you afraid of the dark? It's like, how do they have this much freedom and independence to go downtown to the phone police headquarters? You know, what do they take a bus? They're like eight, you know? It's like, um, hey, Arnold's universe. The kids do that there too in Hillwood. Yeah, that's a little bit more believable because those are city kids like growing up. Like if you grew up in New York City and I have a lot of friends that did, you know, you regularly took the subway right. by yourself or took so, the bus. So essentially because it's established that Jake and Chris are suburban kids that this wouldn't be as plausible. Yeah, where are the parents? Do they parents, say? The parents are almost never around in Ari Fraser the Dark. That's just part of its lore. Yeah. The telephone is presented presented as a mysterious device with the power to connect its user with a very dark with very dark entities. And the bottom line is, don't mess with the phone police, or they might be coming for you next, Brett. Yeah, because Weird Al wrote a song about it, so you know it's it's <laughs> true. <laughs> he even All references right. the phone police in it too. It's funny. I didn't know that. Yep, ninety four. Bad Hair Day album. All right, Brett, hit me with it. Yeah, this one's gonna be hard for me to defend. Um, it's much. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna be upfront with you here. It's much lighter than expected. I think. I think the the writers of the teleplay for this episode took some liberties with the book, uh, cut a lot of stuff out about that because they focus more on the whole reptile aspect and the creeps. So, what did the PDA. book focus on more? Uh, it was it was more about the buildup of the the whole telephone the phone calls. Yeah, yeah. There was the there was more detail about that. Um, but the phone the phone theme here is um, it, it really focuses on the use of the phone as a means of communication between 
I guess, species here because we don't see any humans interacting with each other through the phone. It's just more like the creeps are responding to an ad in the school newspaper. So it's, it's like, I guess it's kind of ahead of its time if you want to stretch your brain that way in terms of intergalactic communication where aliens bridge the gap with humans uh, in terms of their communication there. Uh, or behind if if you want to believe in Roswell uh, conspiracy theories. Well, in social media too, think about how sometimes we put something on social media and then all of a sudden we get all of these weird messages and responses. Some of them aren't even real people. They're, they could be automated by bots. You know, thinking that all of a sudden because you posted, you know, about shoes that, you know, you have a shoe fetish or something. You know what I yeah, mean? There, there's a creep out there who enjoys wearing uh, high heeled red stilettos and his name's the Gromble. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great too. I love him. Yeah, he's fabulous. Um, so I, I don't have much to say here. They, they use the phone just to connect with Ricky. They don't really talk on it. For well, and really, you know, I feel bad for the creeps in a way because he's the one, you know, the ad says, call me. And yeah. so they do. And then all of a sudden he's like, no, I don't want you to call me. And they're like, well, you placed an ad asking us to. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious if uh, Tasha was in on it in some way or what would happen if she was actually picked instead of having it reversed on Ricky, because I think she could be a little more competent leader since she has that Angelica gruff, like take charge mentality to her. Well, we are on our last category. I mean, both shows came out in the 90s. Does it still hold up today? I mean, my episode holds up extremely well, even with the fact that landline landlines aren't really used anymore and our relationship with the phone is quite different. Oh, this is what I was going to say previously, but it still can be applied to what we're talking about right now. Phones are all about communication. And to me, the creeps really ultimately all they wanted was to reach out and form a connection their phones are all about making a connection and i think tucker says something like that um when it's giving the the intro to the episode i'm telling my story this way because if you think about it a telephone is probably the scariest thing in your house <laughs> say what you might feel safe with your doors and windows locked but all someone has to do is dial your number you answer the phone and bingo they're inside. But it's just their voice. Yeah, but when you pick up that phone, you made a connection. And it might be to a place that you don't want to be connected to. Ultimately, both of these episodes are about making connections, and sometimes that connection is with something you really don't want to make. Um, so in, in my opinion, those are really universal themes that still hold up. And you could just use, you could do both of these episodes today and just swap out social, you know, swap out phones for Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the production values on this episode are outstanding. The cinematography is gorgeous. The soundtrack is classic. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Both eerie and tuneful. The acting is solid, um, if a little bit overdramatic from the villains, but again, that's because of Annie and her power over space and time. Um, the actress who's playing Annie knows how to tap into that rage, you know? And the two boys are pretty good, if not for the few Canadian pronunciations of words. Um, when they say Annie, it sounds a little like, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, yeah. Annie? <laughs> <laughs> You've been struck by the phone police. But to me, you know, we have to remember that Are You Afraid of the Dark, they sought out to make a 20-minute movie every week, you know? 
And to me, that's what this, um, this episode feels like, you know, and really like the music, the scenic design, the cinematography, the costumes and the practical effects of the Goosebumps series just pales in comparison, particularly in Calling All Creeps. And my final mic drop is that the creeps look like BJ from Barney and Friends. Oh, the yellow <laughs> dinosaur with the backwards yes. baseball cap. Uh, I think they're more scalier than that and pointier and more vicious. So I think you're giving BJ a little too much credit here. <laughs> um, BJ and Baby Bop would disagree. <laughs> I like to I like to hear it from them. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't want to hear it from them. I don't want to hear those voices ever again. <laughs> Hi, kids. Welcome to Marty's classroom. Today, we're going to learn about calling strangers on the phone. Ooh. Um, in terms of my points, does it hold up? I would say it still does. It may not appear as strong as phone police because the, the iconography is just so prominent with it. And I, I do give it props to that. Um, in terms of calling all creeps, though, I love the name of the title. It's very catchy. Um, I think I, I think that the the themes of conformity are very strong and prevalent as much as ever. Same with the whole, you know, smartphone and open communication that we kind of take for granted because of how prevalent it is. Um, you know, in terms of uh, how people influencing each other through peer pressure, that's still relevant today. Cyberbullying is still a thing. It just moved from the playground to you know chat rooms or social media. So, you know, it still touches upon very important issues of when someone's pushed too far, how are they going to retaliate? How are they going to receive it? And in many cases, you know, people would want to get even if they if they can't express their anger in a healthy way. So, you know, I think that's what led Ricky down this breadcrumb trail in terms of his relatability and being slowly corrupted throughout the story is that he wants to be a good person. He wants to do the right thing. But when he's triggered by something that he doesn't like and something that really, you know, gnaws away at him, it just starts to kind of consume and infest him to the point where he can't turn back and he has to become his own vice as a result. And I feel like in terms of like social media addiction and how people influence each other, you know, for better or for worse on different platforms, it could also have just as importance um, in terms of how it affects us in negative ways because we often listen to other people's thoughts even even on a subconscious level even if we don't want to necessarily do it because of just their just of how prominent it is like how the creeps are superimposing on everyone and also inviting to where it's like a bait and switch so um very similar to how phone police can be relevant today i believe calling out creeps can be just as relevant but just in a in a different kind of way in terms of social interaction very good points well any rebuttals for either one or are we closing our cases annie's not thanos drop it <laughs> annie would disagree weak all right let's move into the uh the verdicts so we're going to start with uh main character and both characters, or both sets of, of characters, one of the things I appreciated was they're not flawless. Uh, a lot of times in kids' shows, uh, outside of horror, the, the main character is usually the character you would have strived to become. Uh, both characters have flaws, both have made mistakes, and both had to pay for their mistakes. Uh, in Are You Afraid of the Dark, it was doing prank calls, and in uh, goosebumps it was trying to get revenge on somebody who had previously wronged them so both have their faults but they're not bad kids they just made bad choices 
and the the one that I think is probably the most uh, relatable of a good kid, a genuine good kid who's just had a breaking point and no one to guide. I I side more with Goosebumps. Uh, I think he's a, a genuine good kid who's just broken and and wanting some kind of redemption. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark? Was really really close, but without that moral compass. And also, I I I, I see them more as okay, something's wrong. Let's try to fix it. Whereas our goosebumps was, I'm wronged, and I want to make it right. Yeah, and I just want to add on to that real quick that it stresses the importance of a healthy support group uh, in terms of calling all creeps because. You know, it, it's nice that Iris was there to kind of help him think through things. But if he had like a larger group of people, a family and friends, and even maybe a guidance counselor or a therapist he can talk to things about, he might not have been, you know, gone as far as he did by the end of the tale. He might have averted the whole crisis and not have to interact with the creeps and everything would be normal. Uh, then again, we won't have a uh, Goosebumps tale as a result, but still, you know, connecting it more to the real world, that's just an instance where like, if someone's really struggling, but they don't know who to turn to, that could be easily you. I mean, Goosebumps stories in general, the good kids don't always have good things that happen to them in the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like at least in phone police, you know, you're kind of like, well, they're being little brats kind of, you know, with the way that they're acting and making prank phone calls and stuff in calling all creeps, you know, you look at Ricky and you're like, I just want to give him a hug and, you know, tell him that, you know, it's going to be okay. You don't have to do this. <laughs> exactly. You know, but so I mean, I would, I would probably do what Ricky did, you know, just set fire to the whole thing and be done with it. So He's for, like Carrie from Carrie kind of. Yeah. yeah. And that was one of the points I was going to make later, but yes, uh, for main character, I give the verdict to, goosebumps uh supporting cast uh there's not because are you afraid of the dark mostly is the friend uh there's a lot of other characters but they're more in the villain category and i i do agree with brett that annie is not uh a witch uh it, it didn't come off that way when we were watching it well for most of us, I'm sure when we watched it as kids, I, I do see your theory and it's like, that's a pretty cool theory, but it didn't read that way. Uh, but as it stands as a supporting character, she's just the, the, the sisterly babysitter who's just annoyed with, with the kids and especially because this is a recurring thing. Whereas in Goosebumps, there's a bit of a gray area. You have that very clear Iris, who is the Jiminy Cricket of the story. Mm -hmm. uh, but you also could argue that even the bullies at some point become a supporting character. They, they blend villain and ally at the same time uh, because they, they start as very clear antagonists, but as it progresses, they, they become more followers, uh, even though they're trying to antagonize to do something else. But that aside, you still have a very clear moral compass that was not relevant or, or prevalent in are you afraid of the dark uh that there was no real support in are you afraid of the dark now i know that there are supporting characters but you have no support for the main character but you did have a support character in goosebumps so for supporting characters i give it also to goosebumps now as for 
villains. Uh, are you afraid of the dark? You've you've got potentially a, a lot more. Well, a lot more villains that is seen on screen, uh, not not in the whole scope of the story. But are you afraid of the dark? The 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 phone police, and every single time I I hear phone police, I want to sing the the police's dream police, but I want to ah. just replace it phone police. But. Uh, <laughs> the idea that there is this underlying uh, government that is, you don't know where they are, you don't know what they could do, and it's very much the unknown, and they could come and get you when you least expect it. Of course, that's what you one would think, and that's what the kids start to think at, at the very beginning, like, oh no, are they, are they out there? Are they going to come after me? Are they going to do something? That idea is a little more terrifying uh, to, to me, but also uh, theory aside of Annie, it, it is very clearly shown that the phone police is is the more prominent villain. Uh, whereas over in Goosebumps, again, it's the gray area, mm -hmm. but it, it could be argued that the girl that he was getting revenge on at the very beginning could be the main villain. Yes, there's the uh, the creeps themselves that are taking over, but none of this would have happened if she hadn't done the things that she had done to get this all set up. And um, also if, if she hadn't planted the seeds that went throughout the school and then the whole school started to bully him, then uh, the creeps wouldn't have shown themselves to... Uh, to the main character but for me which set of villains is a bit more frightening i say the dream the, the dream police see <laughs> the phone police the phone police is a, is a more scary idea to me than than what we've seen with aliens from mm -hmm. another planet or or monsters uh because as as paper thin as an i as, as the mechanics of it goes the idea of something that is still floating out there that could be real is is a bit more terrifying to me uh, as as opposed to something that's turning into monsters. That's so fair. For, it's so not super thin. <laughs> so for There's villains, super thin about it. For for villains, I give that one to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, I do think you brought up a great point, though, about the villain in Calling All Creeps, because that girl, she probably is the villain. And really, you know, as Rod Serling always sort of tried to prove through Twilight Zone, man, ultimately, you know, our fellow man tend to be the biggest villains of all. Yeah. And story, uh, I, I do want to point out a couple of things, because uh, you had mentioned for Are You Afraid of the Dark? that uh, Scream, uh, it's possible that Scream was, I mean, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark could have been an influence for the story of Scream, but I would argue, and I believe it's actually been said, that When a Stranger Calls in the 70s was more of an influence. And also, uh, in I do believe this is pure coincidence, but I do find it interesting. The writer of this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark also wrote one of the episodes for Mystery Files of Shelby Woo. And on Mystery Files of Shelby Woo in the bedroom, not the same episode, but in her bedroom, she had a poster of When a Stranger Calls. 
Hmm. Wow. So there, there's 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 some connection there, but do, I I do feel that uh, when a stranger no, uh, when a stranger calls was probably more of an influence for the idea of this episode, and I feel like RJ had just said that Carrie was more of an influence for the Goosebumps episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but which story I think is a little more concise and a little more clear it's it's goosebumps uh to to have to try to convince other people that no 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 this is this is solid this is a solid theory it's you have to explain that uh what you've done and you've done it beautifully and i think it's fantastic i think it's a great theory but most people most audiences don't see it that way i certainly didn't see it that way as a very strong cohesive clear concise story whereas goosebumps uh, for this story was very relevant, a lot more relevant, had uh, a very clear, albeit simplified, idea, uh, because it's a kid's show. And and I felt like the dream, the, again, dream police every time. I feel like the phone police is a fantastic idea, but it needs it needed a two-parter at the very least yeah. to possibly explain more in a simplified manner to how this whole thing works and, and flesh the idea out more. It needed yeah, a whole it, it, series. It, it should have just been an X-Files episode, actually, because that was my main complaint when I wrote the review of it in Scary Tales. Like, it's an interesting idea, but I don't think the execution fully hits home. Like, it wasn't as solid as I want it to be. So if it had more time to be fleshed out, we can learn a little bit more of why the phone police was developed or more of the mechanizations of how they capture kids or if they capture adults, too. And, you know, what happens if people get away or maybe get pulled back. So um, it'd be cool, like, to do a Men in Black, too, where instead of telling it from the perspective of the kids, tell it from the perspective of the phone police. Yeah, like, what was it like to work in the day of the life of the phone company phone that's, yeah. you know, the secret phone police? So for those of you at home who are keeping track, that's three for Goosebumps and one for Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh. So out, <laughs> out, of, out of seven. This is uh, on, on to, uh, <laughs> onto scariness. Uh, and I had actually said this a bit earlier, but much like how you main character and supporting character very much go hand in hand as to what helps the something this, uh, the, that you can cling to, villain and scary very much have to play w- within each other as well. And I had said the villains over on Are You Afraid of the Dark was a bit stronger. And, and I stand by that with scariness as well. Um, the overall story, I think, of Goosebumps was probably the, 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 the main story, the cautionary tale, I think was more solid, but it wasn't as scary, uh, which is why as a kid, I could watch Goosebumps a lot more. Whereas Are You Afraid of the Dark, the idea of this underground government organization that could arrest you for something so mundane trivial it's 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 yes it's not it shouldn't be that big of a deal but it is that big of a deal and and for the idea that you could make a mistake as simple as a prank call and then for this consequence to happen and, and for it to potentially be for the rest of your life such was the case with billy that is terrifying to me I think what it comes down to is how people can relate to the 
the deeper core of the scaredness. Like, do you want to yep. be, do you imagine yourself in jail forever and hating it? Or do you imagine yourself turning into this reptilian type alien and yep. trying to adapt to that lifestyle because your previous identity is forever erased? So in a way they have a similarity there. It's just a matter of there like, uh, what's worse. <laughs> And also the fear of who you're really talking to on the phone. I yeah. mean, that's the core of Scream is, you know, who are you really I mean, talking to? In that regard, that's why it's, people are so like, it's like, that's why texting is so popular now because people are affected by strangers on a phone that they'd rather have the safety of words that they can send whenever they want instead of yeah. you know, here, who is that? I don't want to talk to you. You have something bad to say to me, hang up. And then they won't yeah. leave you alone. That, Point for scariness goes to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm -hmm. And use of the phone, uh, which Brett had also made mention, it's going to be hard to defend this one because the phone wasn't really the main focus. I mean, yeah. you, you, you had a whole organization on you, Are You Afraid of the Dark that was devoted to the use of the phone. Right. And whereas using the phone over in Goosebumps was probably the most realistic uh, because you could take the phone off the hook. And then also mm. you had the parents who would get off the phone, it's midnight. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, that's probably the most relatable. But Are You Afraid of the Dark? The whole episode was centered around it. And like uh, RJ had said, once they unplugged the phone and it was still ringing, that phone was still ringing. And that's a lot more terrifying and resonates a lot more uh, because it's, oh, if that had happened in real life, you'd throw the phone out the window or do more right. than just no, 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 take a hammer to it. And then of course <laughs> turn around and there it is again, but uh, something to that effect. Uh, but the use of the phone was a lot stronger in are you afraid of the dark than goosebumps. So point to are you afraid of the dark? I mean, that literally happened to me growing up where the phone rang and it was one in the morning and my parents woke it woke my parents up and they answered the phone when i answered it and it was a friend of mine i mean it was really really bad so um that was a very poignant moment for me especially if you didn't have caller id back then you didn't actually know who it was no i didn't know well i don't remember if i knew who it was at the time but yeah if, if you don't know who it is it makes it even scarier and you might think you know who it is but it's not really that person yeah, if I if I was going to, up against hatching, I'd have more comparisons to make. But I was I was kind of disappointed that they didn't implement the phone theme more in this one for yeah. goosebumps. And the last one of does it still stand up today? And both shows are very much '90s. Both shows very much have '90s production, and both shows very much had '90s children's acting. Uh, so they're they're very much in line with each other on there. Yes, Goosebumps is more tongue-in-cheek than are your Fred of the Dark's very serious tone, but that's that's par for the course for both shows. And as was stated earlier, both have very good points in terms of the story, uh, because they were, they were both telling very different stories. One was a, not, not a cautionary tale, a learn-from-your-mistakes tale. Uh, if you don't walk this path and and you get yourself into you're going to get in trouble now there is a redemption arc but you're going to have to have a redemption arc because of the decisions that you make there is a consequence for your actions and whereas over on the other side of the spectrum there's also how to deal with peer pressure how to deal with bullies and the importance of having a support group and 
what could happen to you as an individual if you don't have a, a good foundation in yourself and uh, a good strong support group which one stands the test of time more i can't say a tie i can't because already it's a tie but <laughs> both are very good morals for children's programming mm-hmm. but i do think the dealing with bullies and not losing yourself in a world of especially school mm. is probably the more common place uh not to say the don't do these bad things is not a, a, a valuable lesson but i do think that the bullies is one that kids are going to more identify with and even now that we're adults and we're again like you had said earlier on social media and there's just bullies and toxic personalities and it's easy to get bombarded and peer pressured even to this day as adults and we could very easily lose our identities especially our social media identities if we're not careful Uh, I think that one that story that cautionary tale is a little more relevant than the other so point goes to goosebumps oh Wow, that was unexpected. I thought Phone Police was going to win, but they're both very worthy well, I contenders I of each too, other. Because mine's better, but okay. No, no, you make a very valid point, Alex. And you know, for anyone who's like curious to know, I'm kind of a recluse on purpose, just because of that very reason. I don't want to lose myself if I'm on social media too much. I don't want to become a a cog in the matrix. I want to maintain my sense of independence and identity. So if I may not be posting stuff for long periods of time or you know, if I'm not engaging as much people, then that's that's why I'm just trying to save my my sense of self there. And it's something that really cuts deep with people when they give it some thought, because, you know, the overuse of technology, you know, too much of a good thing turns into a bad thing. It, it can cause it's it's been proven in studies that it could cause, uh, you know, mental effects like anxiety and depression in people. So even even if that also translates to you know, being on the phone with someone and not knowing who they are or just being afraid to call them versus text them because I know many friends who do that with me and I'm frustrated with them, yet, you know, it still affects them. It's, it's just, it cuts a little bit deeper in terms of the, the lasting impression. So what was the final score? Four to three? Four to three. Well done, RJ. I'm disappointed in myself. (laughs) Come on. There we go. (laughs) Good game. Hey. I want to whack you upside the head. You want to come back for an Angelica debate versus Tommy debate? You're on. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, that, I mean, yes, I definitely would, but, you know, I just, I I have a feeling I know which way that one would go to, but, um, You know, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you guys having me on. And, you know, like I said before, you're entitled to your wrong opinion, you know. (laughs) Take out the word wrong and then uh, replace it right and I'll agree with you. (laughs) Entitled to your stupid opinion. Nope, I I still don't like phone police as as much as you do. I think I'm still firm on that. Yeah, but before we get um, too stretched on time, let's go into our next segment. Um, We have a new one called Rename Game that is uh, exclusive to versus battles. (laughs) 
essentially, for a rename game, if you could change the name of your episode to be much more fitting to the subject matter, what would you rename it to and why? And what happens is, uh, RJ, you get to rename your episode, I get to rename mine, and Alex, since he's judge, gets to rename both. And we'll uh, post the results on Instagram, too, to see how our listeners, Slimesters and Gackoids, uh, agree with us. So I think the tale of the sorceress sister is very apropos and um, yeah, it was pretty proud. I'll, of I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if you write a sequel to the tale of the sorcerer's apprentice where Annie teams up with goth to revive him and then like inherits some of his powers to become an all powerful God of the universe in are you afraid of dark land? I'll accept that. And then she goes on to the phone police episode. Yeah. So yeah. that's work, work it in somehow so that it's justified. The sequel to it's the tale between Sorcerer's Apprentice and Phone Police that connected. Right, right, to. right. Yeah, she definitely needs an epilogue, a prologue and an epilogue. Interesting idea. Uh, I'm going to go with Revenge of the Reptilians for Calling All Creeps because the story really does focus more heavily on the reptile people disguised as students more so than the phone aspect. Um, so just going to leave it at that. And well, what are they cut. seeking revenge on? Revenge on kids. Maybe they, maybe they're <laughs> the kids wipe them out on their planet. And so they had to come here. The sequel could be called revenge of the reptilians. Or maybe it's connected to hatching in a way where all, all the creeps hatched from the hatching eggs and they have to take revenge on Augie and jazz who destroyed all of them with their heavy metal music and killed their mother in the basement of the boarding school. I wish I could call my episode the tale of Brett Wilson gets arrested by the phone. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. I'll throw you in jail myself. <laughs> Real jail, human jail. No time out. <laughs> Indefinitely. Uh, let's see that I'm actually having, I've been having a difficult time trying to think of one for, are you referred to the dark? So I, it's something ridiculous. Like the tale of the prank prison. Hmm. That works. That's good. Uh, I actually thought of two for uh, Goosebumps. Uh, one just as pure joke, you know, poison tuna. Uh, That's good. But actually, what I was thinking was follow the leader. I like that okay. a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how it's got a innocent uh, feel to it, yet it gets much darker underneath the more you look into it. Very cool. The tale uh, of the ring ring dinger. <laughs> The, the tale of the ring-a-ding-dinger. <laughs> Isn't that a Twilight Zone episode, ring-a-ding girl? It is. I was testing your nose. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, thanks for uh, the rename game segment. I, I like all the titles. They're pretty catchy, pretty creative. And if you Slimesters and Gakoids want to weigh in on these titles, which ones you like better, um, check out the poll that we'll be posting probably later in the week after this episode releases on social media. Uh, and we'll announce the winners uh, a day after voting. So get your votes in when you can. Uh, with that being said, let's jump right into another round of Think Fast to Make the Grade. Time to think fast to make the grade. 
So for Think Fast to Make the Grade, we have some trivia questions for you that are relevant to both of our tales today. Um, I'm not, since I made the questions, I won't be playing, so it'll be against RJ and Alex. And you can see that there are point numbers assigned to each question, getting more up the later we go on. And the, at the end, someone wins. Maybe I'll give you a prize. Maybe you just get the satisfaction of winning. We'll see. Well, I've already gotten the satisfaction of losing. A big lose. <laughs> there you go. So if you end up winning, you can have both of them together and you, you can just put them on your bookshelf. <laughs> uh, big <bell. laughs> All right. All right. So, so for one point, question one, what are you afraid of the dark tale did Trisha star in before this Goosebumps episode? And the tale Trisha, of Dollmaker. Damn. You didn't, you didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. She was played by Maya Filler who was also in that and uh, Magic School Butts as some uh, voice of one of the kids. So one point, RJ. I'll let you finish the question next okay. time. You better not be cheating, by the way. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> uh, question two, uh, for one point, what does the ad say that Ricky puts into the school newspaper? Do you remember the words? That was uh, 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 calling all creeps, calling all creeps. Um, if, if you're a real creep, what was her name called Tasha because it sounds like McLean County McLean uh, after midnight and I don't remember the it was 555 because everybody does 555 on TV but I don't remember the last four digits but it was it was a calling all creeps thing I'll, I'll give it to you because you were you're spot on except for the last four digits yeah the five, last four five yeah yeah when angelica did that and she she called the tire guy for the santa experience she's like let me speak to santa claus that was the best it's one of my favorite episodes i love that moment we're, we're definitely going to review that for the holiday season five 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 yeah <laughs> um yeah the the number was five 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 one oh nine um in case anyone cares uh so yeah moving along we have for two pointer question three what is the name of the person who won't stop calling Jake O'Brien and also the number he's coming from? You get one point for each correct part. Billy Baxter. Uh, Alex got in on that one. So he got one point for Billy Baxter. And what's I, don't the know. I was first, I thought. I, I heard Alex first. I, I don't know the number, though. I, I just know Billy Baxter. Um, it's RJ six digits. Yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you know it, RJ? No. Uh, the Brent number is was... The number is 311299. So there you go. Pretty original. Uh, question four for two points. What is the phone police officer disguised as when he approached Jake's front door? A rat. Bonus. What other? You didn't let the me rat. finish. You, you didn't let me finish. Hold on. Um, bonus. What other character did he play in season one of Are You Fear the Dark? He was the pizza delivery guy. Yes. Uh, I don't I don't know what he what the other thing was okay um he well you got the pizza delivery guy part um he he technically had a rat hat on yeah uh, for his pizza so i'll give it to rj too both you get a point um and the bonus is that he was mr braun from the tale of the nightly neighbors okay which is interesting because he sounds very different without his accent i thought that was that's a great moment in the episode honestly oh yeah <laughs> that little switcheroo were you very like, creepy oh, you thought you got away with them and then uh yeah. they're watching you um moving on we have question five for two points what is the name of the item the creeps put into the tuna surprise at the school cafeteria and what other food item do they put it in you get a point for each they're seeds and they put it in tuna oh 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they put it in the tuna and they and they put it in the cookies. But what did he say? Did he say? Did you give the example of tunas or cookies as your? I I, I said cookies. You said tuna. Yeah. Um. Alex is well, right with. Said, Brett said tuna. Alex oh, is no, Alex can't. is right on the cookies. I said tuna, so you repeated what I said. Um, yeah. Alex gets yeah. that point, but um, you didn't but say the. the uh, RJ, you didn't you didn't get the point because you didn't say the full name of the object. Alex, do you want to steal? Well, it, it, it was he just said seeds, didn't he? He said identity seeds. That's mm. what I had. That's okay. that's why I remember them calling them. Yeah, that's what I was. I'm saying. sure that yeah, that's right. I you know I had the generic name, yeah, and you wanted the you know the real name. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you can you can still come back with these past these next two questions since they're three pointers. Um, question six for three points. Actor Griffith Brewer plays the phone police warden or phone clerk, as it says in the credits, in this Tucker tale. What three other Are You Afraid of the Dark tales did he appear in, and what was his role in each of them? You get a point for each tale and character for a max of three. He was, oh. in, he was in Water Demons. Mm -hmm. I don't know his name. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm horrible with names. I'm, I'm decent with that episode. Um, uh, the the other one that I was thinking was uh, uh, Forever Game, but I don't know the character's name on that one either. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you two just because you named the correct tales. Uh, it's a big ask. RJ, do you know any of the characters or tale names that Griffin Brewer no, also not was one. in? This is hard. No. Okay. So he was Captain Westchester in the Tale of the Water Demons, also a Tucker tale. He was uh, old Peter in the tale of the captured souls after he got like zapped from his fountain of youth oh. machine. And he was also old Nathaniel in the tale of the forever game after he was released from the devil's tree. So there you go. Alex was on the right track. He got two points for that. Final question. Question seven for three points. This one's you're going to have to explain your answer. Um, and if it matches what I have, you'll get it. What makes Tucker's campfire opening unique compared to all other Midnight Society's members opening their tales? Tucker's opening is unique because he um, has his brother put a phone on the Midnight Society throne, and Tucker tells the tale by talking on, through the phone on a, from a remote location. That is correct. Yeah, he's the only one to essentially not be physically present at the Midnight Society campfire when he tells his story. Yeah, and I think that is a very underrated um, campfire. Thank you all for playing another segment, rousing segment of Think Fast and Make the Grade versus edition. Um, if you guys like any of these segments, just let us know what you think. And if you want any new ones made or have us uh, make them more frequently uh, in future episodes. Uh, with that being said, here's our closing question. Which tale do you prefer and why? Do you, are you a Calling All Creeps fan or are you more partial towards the tale of the phone police? Let us know on Instagram via DM or in our email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com. Um, you can also connect with us on Instagram or YouTube at the same handle at splatattack podcast. We have video versions of all of our episodes uh, that go up on podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts like Podbean, Spotify, etc., wherever you listen to podcasts. So definitely check out our stuff one way or another and share it with a fellow 90s Nick friend if, you're, uh, if you enjoy what you experience. Uh, with that being said, uh, we, Alex, do you have anything to add? 
I just want to say thank you to RJ for being a part of the episode. Yes, thank you very much for being here. I love to anything anything you want to plug. Yeah, I'd love everyone to check out the reality show that I'm appearing on. It's called Theality TV, the making of an off-Broadway musical. Um, it's about this gentleman, Rob Gold, who was given $10,000 in a few weeks to put on an off-Broadway musical on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And we're streaming on Broadway On Demand, Deku, which is an LGBT streaming platform, all LGBT content, and a streaming platform called Fearless that focuses on all independent work. So there's a lot of places to check this out. And the show is campy, outlandish, bizarre, dramatic, everything you would want from a reality show about the theater business. So I hope you can check us out in one of those platforms. And if you um, are short on cash, uh, DM me on social media. I'm at RJ for the win on Instagram, and I can maybe hook you up with um, some ways to watch us for free. And make sure for, for Splat Attack that you guys check out our bonfire where we've got some pretty cool t-shirts and uh, coffee mugs now. And uh, also be sure to go to our Patreon and please support us there. Uh, your support at either location is going to help us to continue to make these. And over on Patreon, you will get bonus content and exclusive content, uh, especially bonus episodes that you will not find anywhere else. So go check those out. Definitely. Um, we actually have another bonus episode coming up in the not too distant future where we're going to do another Are You Afraid of the Dark versus Goosebumps versus, but it's going to be for Patreon exclusively. So if you're a big Are You Afraid of the Dark fan or Goosebumps fan or just love seeing two people squabble over 90s TV, you know, that's meant for kids. Definitely, you know, that's a reason to give us your hard-earned dollars so that you can see us go at it. I mean, we love creating this content for you, but, you know, it takes two to tango. So if the community supports us, we support you, and it just keeps on allowing us to grow and expand and do more amazing things for you at Splat Attack. Um, other than that, let me just give a quick shout-out to Catherine, Michael, and Monica for being our patrons on Patreon. We thank you very, very much for being a part of this journey with us and supporting us. Thank you guys. Uh, yeah, we love you. Join us next time uh, when a stroke of luck leads us to a highly coveted baseball cap with our episode review of Doug's Lucky Hat in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Will Doug's luck turn around or will it run out and into another kid's hands? Find out next time only on Splat Deck. Alex, will you drain the slime tank, please? I've got to make a long-distance call to my friend Jake so I can get him out of phone police prison. Aye, aye, code captain. Now don't forget the area code. I'll remember the dial it. Splice you later, everyone. Six numbers, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get the number right in any case. Splice you later, everybody. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Nighty night. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What will we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Oh, bye bye. Cyrus, I saw the newspaper. You better take a look at it. I tried okay. to call earlier. Dad? 
What are you doing getting phone calls at this hour? I want you to hang up right now. But Ricky, I said don't, now. don't hang up. You've got to listen I, to me. I have to hang up. Really? You have to know this. You're, you're in trouble. I'll talk to you tomorrow. But Ricky, now go to don't sleep. hang up. Just don't hang up. Hello? I'm a creep. I'm ready to plant. Ready to rule. When do we meet? Calling all creeps. Calling all creeps. Don't miss an all new goosebumps coming up next on Fox Kids. It's the only creepy scare.